0: Hey, everyone. So it's been a while since I've done one of these intros. This is Monica from Invisible Not Broken. I really feel like I need to. Um, This is one of my uh, most um, wanted interviews. I don't usually chase people down for interviews. But once I started talking to Tiara on um, Twitter, I just knew I had to have her on. And we have been going back and forth trying to make this happen from some of the worst technical issues ever, to finally getting to chat um tiara is an amazing activist and will be a lawyer very soon and just had a baby a month ago so i can't thank her enough for coming on to the episode this is the longest interview i've ever done um i think we're at two hours for this i honestly don't have the energy to try to split this apart and uh, make it two episodes so try to listen to it in chunks please listen to this we go through so much about ableism racism um, disability access for wheelchairs choosing colleges um, with wheelchairs um, new parenting (laughs) with wheelchairs Um, how hospitals are not equipped to deal with disabled moms there is so much here tiara is one of the most fantastic human beings i've gotten to chat with i hope i get to talk to her so much more I do want to share one little thing that she did tell me um, the first time we talked, which didn't get recorded, and I just want to share it with you because we started discussing this after a blog post that she had about someone who kept calling her inspiring, and I was talking to her and I said, you know, I'm just having trouble not using that word for you because as a disabled person I'm finding you inspiring and she said I'm going to quote this horribly and wrong and I hope she can put a little note down on exactly what she told me but what she basically said was it's okay to be inspired by someone's actions by what they are doing and accomplishing it's not okay to just be inspired by their existence so I'm going to leave this here. please take a listen share this um, with others thank you so much and I will I really wanted to get to the ableism um because you're i don't even know if i can call a blog post was it a blog post that you written it was like a letter that your law professor or it wasn't even your professor wrote
1: um so it was a blog post what i wrote started out actually as thread on twitter and okay. then like you know what i need to memorialize this and uh so i transferred it over into a blog post. Um. And the person that I was referring to did teach me at one of the, I've gone to school a lot. (laughs) So in one of the programs that I went through, um, he taught me in one of the law, it was school. So it wasn't a letter to him, but it definitely referred to what he said in support of me. And that was the thing about it. He was trying to be supportive. And help me get donations. I was raising money for the bar exam because it's incredibly expensive, and I am incredibly broke. <laughs> so, um, oh, you don't even know.
0: I know. I like. <laughs> but, I, there's so many issues to talk about, but like that, there's a paywall in front of even becoming a lawyer. Like the and a lot of professional. I mean, look
1: at what doctors go through with their residencies, and you know, like when you get to the professional degrees, um gets expensive and it's it's yeah like you said there's a paywall um and so that's still there but so i was just trying to raise money to pay for registration and then pay for my hotel for the few days that i was going to be doing the exam and also to pay for study materials but then i also wasn't going to be able to work for at least a month so i needed to raise money for that too so you know he he was trying to help um, but the way he did it was i don't want to say exploitative, you know um but he's enabled he's quote unquote enabled, and so he did it the way he knew how, and unfortunately, it was by highlighting um how I'm disabled and highlighting how i've quote unquote overcome said disability. Meanwhile, I'm still sitting in a wheelchair, still disabled. So no, I have not overcome anything um, except for some ableism here and there. But yeah, so no, it wasn't a letter to him. It was just a blog post about that particular incident and just letting everyone know, like, don't do that. Don't,
0: don't be that person. It just, I, I read the letter and it was, um, I, I was so surprised at how, Oh, God, the words are just gone for me today. Um, But I was just so surprised at how he erased everything about you except your wheelchair. And that was funny to me. Funny as in it was sad. Yeah.
1: But he also said in that same, um, his particular post, which I screenshot, he said in that one that he doesn't even see me as disabled. And it's just like, wait, for someone who doesn't see my disability, you sure are harping on it a lot. And a lot of people have done that over the years. Um, I have a friend now. She's really great. I love her. Um, and she'll say that sometimes she forgets that I'm in a wheelchair. And when I was in college in the early 2000s, um, I had another friend, you know, I had several friends who would say the same thing here and there, like, oh, my gosh, it is so easy to forget that you're in a wheelchair. And it's a lot of it has to do with how i always presented myself as the quote-unquote super crip, um, the I can do anything, uh, my disability doesn't stop me, and I would do things like climb up a flight of stairs because I want to go hang out with some friends. And don't worry, I can climb the stairs, just carry my wheelchair behind me. Um, so... Yeah, I get it how after a while, when you spend so much time around somebody, you just stop noticing things. But when it comes to something as big as being disabled, to quote unquote, forget that I'm disabled, that's kind of detrimental to me because it means that you're not paying attention to what access needs I may have or how the outside world really affects my own life.
0: As he had mentioned, like, he was like, I was surprised at that you wouldn't be able to lift the 50 pound um, files and that.
1: Um, right. So as a part of that program, I remember that actually.
0: Someone's waking up. <laughs> well, we also have a baby here on air, too. So. <laughs> um- I remember that over every coup. That is killing me. My baby just turned 18. So like the baby. Don't get to you. (laughs) He
1: coos all day when he's not crying. (laughs) And when he's not, he coos in his sleep. Um, So yeah, I remember that clearly. It was, the year was 2013. And I was finishing off my parallel program and we had to do an externship for like 10 weeks. And so the school and your professors, they help place you, you know, in a law office, at least for my program, in a law office or somewhere legal related. And I remember that um, the professors, two of them that were mentioned in that particular blog post, tried to place me at this really nice firm here in Long Beach. Like it was a really good one too that I would, I would have benefited from as far as my future legal career was concerned. And they told her, That they couldn't take me, they couldn't hire me, even as free labor, extern, um, volunteer, because of the wheelchair. It was the firm, not the professors, who believed that I wouldn't be able to, you know, carry files or, you know, get things off the shelves, which I just want to say that's kind of illegal. Because the ADA, <laughs> I was just saying they,
0: the the law the law firm did not know that they were out of compliance with the ADA. That's <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't even know how they let them get away with that. But I wasn't I wasn't gonna trip too bad off of it because look, if I have to fight that hard to work for you, then it means I don't need to work for you. And I think that's what changed. That's what changed circa 2014, 15, is that you know, I used to censor myself a lot. I used to censor myself a lot. Well, yeah, no, I did, um, to a point. And then right around the time that you know Black Lives Matter started to grow huge. Oh, wow. I thought to myself, I can't stay quiet anymore just because I need to have a job. If you won't hire me because I said, hey, stop killing us, then I don't need to work for you. And I've taken that same mindset into all things disability, all things female, woman, um, because if I have to fight that hard just to work for you, then I don't need to work for you. You don't want me. You don't need me. It's your loss.
0: That's amazing i,
1: but I told the
0: other thing, the thing that I like always worry about is like okay we we we're strong, we're working hard at like okay, you don't even deserve us, but then it limits what we're able to do and how we're able to earn when it's like but what place is going to be able to I, it's just saying that I keep hearing from libertarians, um, like, "Hey, you know, just don't shop at that place," or "Hey, just don't work at that place." It's like I really don't have a lot of options anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't stand
1: that because so many of these people are talking from a place of privilege that I just don't have. I just don't have that privilege to just not do something. I used to think that I had that um, option. I did, you know. Oh, just you know, we're gonna boycott this place and. It dawned on me, again, um, at the very end of the decade, 2010, um, when I moved to California and I had to start doing a lot of things on my own, shop hmm. on my own, uh, just take care of life on my own. Um, hello? Yeah, uh, Great. Right. We <laughs> black for a second. No worries. And... What ended up happening is people like, oh, you know, boycott Walmart, boycott corporation, boycott that corporation. And in my head, I'm like, that sounds great, but I don't really have that option because the Walmart was all of three blocks from me and everything was in one place. And it was just easy for me to get back and forth, especially being in a wheelchair trying to carry bags, you know, from From a store to my home, it's a lot easier for me to go to a one-stop shop like Walmart or Target or, you know, some of these other big box stores than it was for me to try to go, you know, point A, B, C, D, and E just to pick up five items, you
0: know? Oh, I... I, the queen of boycott this because it's the only thing I can do. I can't go out and march. I can't do a lot of the stuff that I would like to do, but I can boycott. And it drives me insane because like to get my prescriptions away from CVS, which decided to, you know, do a whole bunch of stuff for causes. I don't appreciate (laughs) it was a nightmare to get it to another pharmacy. And I'm privileged enough to live somewhere where there was a pharmacy I could switch to. And Then the Amazon thing blew up where it was unfair labor practices. And I was like, but I can't get out of my shop. Like, and all of my mobility stuff is not saying I can just go to to Walgreens to get, this is like really specialized stuff I can only find on Amazon. It's so frustrating that these companies are. Amazon that (laughs) happened.
1: Like right when I was doing, you know, I was sending around the registry for my baby shower. Gosh. (laughs) I know people like, oh, but you could use Target. You can use this store's registry, that store's registry. I'm like, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, these are the cheaper prices. And my circle of friends, we're not that well off. So I had to think about who had the widest variety of goods, especially as a, you know, disabled mom-to-be, who had the widest variety of goods of things that I can use, but also... uh, In a price range that I know that even if my friends couldn't get it for me, that I would be able to afford it myself. Because that happened, you know, there were a lot of things on the on the list that didn't that weren't purchased that I had to get myself, and that's fine. So I support boycotting, but don't support uh, what's the word? Criticizing people who have to cross the picket line for their own reasons. And in the disabled community, a lot of us had to cross the picket line. Um and it's usually like that for pretty much every boycott. I know a supermarket out here, you know, you had people who were protesting in front of it, not the workers though, just other protesters. And um I just avoided it for a couple of days. Um because I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with them. Uh, Talking about, you know, you're crossing the line, this and the other. No, but I also need to eat. And this is the place closest to me. And I'm in a wheelchair. Let's keep, let's, let's keep bringing that up. <laughs> access is important to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we definitely need to talk that one um, about the lack of access. <laughs> it is unreal. But I have a question for you because um, I've got to know what's the must have disabled new mom like what is the the thing that like actually has just been really helpful to you so it depends on your disability
1: so for me what's been incredibly helpful um has been something that actually a friend of mine bought for me she brought it over and it is the swaddle me set have you heard of it oh yeah (laughs) okay and Yeah, they they call it a sleep aid for babies, but it also helps me because it keeps him it keeps him his arms and his legs from flailing about. And I've learned how to swaddle with a blanket, but he has also learned how to get loose.
0: So (laughs) Dinies. They are like escape artists.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, you're not even a whole month old yet. How are you doing this (laughs) stuff? But whatever. He's already he was already turning over two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. And he was a little itty bitty.
0: Like he started out tiny and he's already getting strong. Yeah. Oh, he's doing good. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, um, so for me, it was, is the recent thing. She bought me the swaddle me pod for newborns and then she bought one for a size and, large. and then, um, a person who works at my office building purchased a co, uh,
0: a co sleeper. Oh yeah. Those are great. The
1: lounger that can go on the bed, um, again, because I'm not going to be able to just jump up and get to the bassinet, even though that's supposed to be next to me, but whatever. Small apartment. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <It's a small
0: laughs> yeah, you're, like You're making such an amazing point because I think there's not anyone who didn't find new motherhood exhausting and overwhelming, but like there's also more barriers when you're also considering the mobility of being able to get to your screaming baby at two in the morning. and
1: Yeah. And I know they talk, they don't appreciate, especially medical professionals because you know, sudden infant death and all these yeah. things and suffocation, they don't like the babies to sleep in the bed with us. So I was like, you know what, fine. He won't sleep in the bed with me technically. <laughs> lounger and said lounger creates his own space and a barrier in the bed and mm-hmm. as an amp i have ample space at the foot of the bed
0: so <laughs> the upsides
1: <laughs> yeah i have ample space at the foot of the bed so i'll put his lounger there and then dad has all the space that he wants on his side mm-hmm. and then my twitter friends also purchased uh for me an organizer like a little cloth organizer with handles and it's sectioned off and that's been very very helpful in keeping the diapers and wipes and um the plastic storage bottles for when i pump nearby and and the pump breast pump supplies very close at hand um that's all been very helpful like it's all been like practical things that i have found to be very
0: helpful for me but it depends what your disability is. And that's something that I think a lot of people forget is that there's so many different sides and types of disability. It's not just like, okay, disability is just someone in a wheelchair with both arms, both legs, and they're always in the wheelchair all the time. And there's so many different shades of this.
1: I'm trying to plug in my phone right now, so forgive me for looking
0: weird. Hey, absolutely no worries. (laughs) I'm in some sort of weird yoga pose right now just because I can't um, keep my legs in their sockets. So they're um, sort of looking like um, one of those uh, broken doll things right now. (laughs) Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, um, people think disability, they think wheelchair, they disregard everything else. And one thing about uh, disability Twitter is that it's helped me not do the same thing. You know, I've always been mostly concerned with the issues that affect me most, which is fair. You have to be able to help yourself before you can help other people. Completely fair. But um at the same time, I used to be one of those people who would put some disabilities over others Mm. um especially ignorant about invisible disabilities that used to be me and so i try to tell people you can be disabled and still be ignorant af
0: you can swear on this podcast by the way you're welcome to oh
1: okay well you can be
0: ignorant as fuck (laughs) (laughs) thank you if we hurt we get to swear it's it's been proven that it helps with pain management so we get to fucking swear (laughs)
1: But um, yeah, I, I that that was me. That was me. Um, I don't want to say up until recently, but fairly recently, like at least within the last, uh, I'll give it ten years or a little bit less. Um, you know, where I wasn't that knowledgeable about invisible disabilities, and so, you know. I was one of people like, well, oh my gosh, get over it. You don't have it as bad as me or as bad as that person. And it took, you know, being on disability Twitter to learn that, wait a minute, that's not cool. Um, invisible disabilities exist, and this is the wide, wide range of them. And I just didn't, I wasn't aware. But I also wasn't exposed to disabled people too much growing up outside of being in the hospital or working at Disabled Jesus Camp.
0: Disabled Jesus Camp. Yes. This sounds like a story and a half. (laughs)
1: You know, a summer camp, a sleepaway summer camp, Uh but it was a Bible camp. Um, but it was for people with disabilities. It was for children and adults. And so what happens is it gets split up in like, oh, and then the sister camp was right across the road. Um, so inner city Jesus Camp, I'll call it, because that was their target audience. Um, kids from the inner city, and then of course disabled Jesus Camp, people like me, disabled. Um, and they hired a lot of people from Canada and from the Midwest. So it was like living in a bubble for weeks at a time. um, Completely cut off from the rest of the world. It was just you and Jesus, your (laughs) campers. (laughs) And it was, it was a, it was an experience, but I went there as a camper for two summers. um, And then I worked there for three summers. And, um, That was the most that I had been exposed to, or around, rather, let me not say exposed, around other disabled people outside of my stays in the hospital.
0: Yeah, that's, so um, so it drives me nuts about like when people are going off on social media and how the evils of social media and we don't connect anymore because of social media and it's like bullshit, that's all, that's what we're all doing on social media is we're connecting. That's what we're doing on social media.
1: is and 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 it's 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 really open like I said it's opened up a lot of um it's opened up a lot of the world to me you know it has uh, before social media well let me not say before social media before twitter and I hate to give Jack this much credit but whatever
0: I hear you like all like the The people who are running these things, I I can't see them, but I need the product. (laughs) Right, right. Like, what am I going to do?
1: You know, I started off on something called Black Planet and Mi Gente, and then switched over to, you know, my friends over at uh, University of New Haven. My sorority sisters are like, oh, you got to get on this new thing. It's called Facebook. It's only or. Right?
0: That's Oh, how. my God. I feel so old. I remember when it was all AOL, and it was like these little chat rooms in AOL.
1: <laughs> right, right. And then I I remember when I got to see, I didn't have internet as a kid. I didn't have internet even in high school.
0: I had a computer,
1: but my grandmother would not let me have the internet. She said, because there are crazy people in those chat rooms, whatever. So 17-year-old me gets to college, and I'm like, oh, I have access to the internet? <laughs> <What> the <hell? laughs> Cat rooms? What? Oh, and that was the beginning of the world opening up for me because I was always very sheltered and protected, um because of the simple fact that you know I'm disabled, and so they were very protective of me growing up. You know, I never spent the night at anyone's house. Um, I rarely went to people's parties. Rarely. Um, I almost never had company over that might have to do more of a thing for them, not wanting to deal with it than it did for me, but whatever. Um, You know, I wasn't even so much, I wasn't even allowed to do chores. Wow. Yeah. Outside of basically making my bed and dusting off the furniture in my own room, there were no choice. I wasn't allowed to cook. I wasn't allowed to clean the bathroom, not really, you know, maybe the tub a little bit after I got out, but whatever. Um, Sweet mop, no, no chores for me, Um, because they were very protective. And so when I got to college, and I finally was able to get onto the internet, and then social media as it was back then, you know, the chat rooms. Black Planet Me, Henté, College Club, eventually Facebook and MySpace. First it was MySpace. Oh, I remember
0: (laughs) MySpace.
1: For me, at least. That was the order that it went in. And then um, back when Facebook, you had to have a school email address to get on. Those were the days. (laughs) But you know what? It is what it is. Um, So when people say delete, Facebook or you know boycott this platform. I'm just like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that." Sorry.
0: I mean, I would personally love to. It's like there's so much that that horrifies me, but I have um a very rare condition and my tribe of people who have the same condition, we can always ask each other, "Okay, are we dying or is <laughs> it tellless?" Like it's a connective tissue disorder so it, it affects everything from your eyeballs all the way to your toes, to your heart, your brain. And so it's always this question of like, so is it just LR stainless or do we have to go to like a specialist for something else? And that I was, gonna ask you, was it everything.
1: Sorry, what? I said, I was going to ask you, was it EDS?
0: Yeah, I have a mast activation disorder, LR stainless, POTS, fibro, and I used to have CRPS, but I had a surgery that helped correct that. And
1: you know what? I never knew any of this existed before <laughs> 2013.
0: And you know how I found out it existed? Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I Twitter. mean, a disability Twitter is, I was so happy when I stumbled on it. I didn't understand Twitter and how it all worked. I still don't. I'm still woefully like idiotic about like how this all works and like the etiquette of Twitter. I'm like, I, I'm trying, I don't know. But trans issues was a big thing for me because I mean, I'm, I always am compassionate, but I didn't understand. And I still don't have a full understanding, but I got to meet people who are trans who were like, all right, let me school you a bit. And that was so helpful that they were kind enough to be, um, ambassadors of sorts like to be like hey you seem like an idiot about this let me help you out like and then learning like other people's um things that they're going through that i couldn't imagine and like the straw thing was really helpful to hear the straw thing from everyone i was like all right so environmentalism and disability just clashed let's find out what we can do about this you would be surprised how many things well maybe not you
1: but a lot of people ables especially would be surprised about how many things Clash mm-hmm. um over disability issues, but they don't want to hear that. Um, but yeah, the different communities you mentioned, the trans community. Um, as far as the different communities opening up for me, I was I didn't even know what an ace was. Um, I mean, I kind of knew what an asexual was, but I didn't know any anyone. Um non-binary was not a word that was in my vocabulary before 2014 like I had a, it was just it was very antiquated a lot of my vocabulary was very antiquated um I mean I'm in my 30s I grew up during a certain time where some of these terms were just starting to pop up and so it just stuck or the words from the 80s and 70s were still around um So, yeah, that opened up for me a lot. And, of course, to see how even that uh, clashes or overlaps with disability in itself, because it never, it just wasn't a thought, but it never occurred to me that um, a disabled person could also be a trans person, a transgender person. And that sounds really ignorant of me, but it just wasn't a thought. It wasn't that I didn't know it happen. It just wasn't a thought. I, I
0: and think we need to like take away the shame of being ignorant, because it, all of us are ignorant to something. Like we we can't possibly understand everyone's viewpoint. But if we're kind and compassionate, we're willing to go. Hey, okay, talk to me about it. And I'm looking at the teenagers who come back with like all of the terms and everything that's going on. So I at least have like some sort of like outreach into the world that comes back and is like, all right, so this is. Uh, <laughs> this is what's happening exactly. Right now. exactly I'm I'm older than you I'm in my 40s so it's like a lot of this is just like wow I didn't realize that was that's so cool I wish I'd like had that like around then like
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I well I mean I'm in my almost late 30s so I'm not gonna go there I have a birthday coming up Oh and I say <laughs> thank you I am intent on not getting older <laughs> so as I told my friend My friend um, celebrated their birthday yesterday, and so we were texting, and I said, yeah, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm turning 25 the 15th time, and I'm like, that's cool, because I just stopped having birthdays. I have
0: not aged since 2010. I mean, Oscar Wilde said 35 is a wonderful age. Many women have chosen to remain such for years. (laughs) I mean... It is what it is, right? I, I don't have a, I'm thrilled to be this side of the ground. So I, I'm good with the getting older, but my, uh, my cousin just turned 40 and she was not overjoyed about the whole experience. So, I was talking to my friend
1: Melanie, um, another Twitter friend, uh, and I said, I cannot wait to get old because then I can say whatever the heck I want to say and no one can tell me anything because I'm old. And you can't tell old people anything.
0: Um, uh, yeah, that and 18 year olds. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But you try correcting a 60 something, 70 something year old person.
0: Um. No, thanks. I don't have that level of energy. I barely have the energy for Twitter. Like, <laughs> Just <laughs> right. getting an argument on Twitter and I'm like, I don't like I can I cannot do this. This is exhausting. Like I'm more of a tweet and run person. Like I will tweet and then stay on for a minute and if it starts getting ugly, I'm like, you know what? I have the opportunity to just walk away from this. I'm just gonna (laughs) leave this here and anyone who is not treating me like a human being, I just don't even have to respond to. It's not worth that.
1: It's not. It really isn't. However, sometimes I get bored. And (laughs)
0: you know a lawyer you you're good at the arguing I don't have the energy for arguing a one-day lawyer we will find out in November you are so going to pass the bar Uh, (laughs) my my sister just did the bar last year and when you said you're waiting for your bar results I was like oh my god I feel the anxiety from here (laughs) uh, yeah
1: so, what so is your me,
0: dream for this? What do you when you pass the bar? Because you're going to pass. What's are what kind of law are you going to practice? Do you know? Do you have an idea? So, right
1: now, I'm in family law.
0: Oh my God, you brave woman!
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in family law, but my dream is to be a public defender here in California. That is my dream job. Um, I don't care what we'll people say. Like, oh, public defenders aren't real lawyers. Yes, we are. We're serving. Your population that who really needs to that? represent. You see, I said we as a home already a public defender. Look at that. I'm speaking into existence. See, that's
0: You point. are going to do it. But who the hell doesn't think that that's not the hardest law job on the face of the earth?
1: A lot of people feel that way though. They're like, oh, you're a public defender. Like, you tell them, like, oh, yeah, I'm a criminal defense attorney. They're like, oh, okay. I'm a public defender. They're like, oh. I don't know. I've heard that a lot of people feel that to go to the public defender's office means you couldn't hack it somewhere else. And I interned for them for one, two, two sessions, like two two separate semesters. I interned for them and I got to see them at work scenes preparing for preparing cases for trial. And, you know, I got to write motions for them for different attorneys. I even got to sit second chair with an attorney and you know help her during a trial, which she won by the way. Um and it was really cool. It was really fun. And I'm like, there's no way this is not a quote unquote real attorney job considering the fact that hold on. No worries. Okay. Um considering the fact that you know they're handling Sometimes ten cases or more at a time, um, depending on what courtroom they're in, if they're doing a trial, if they're doing uh, traffic, or if they're doing misdemeanors, you know, it all depends, of course. But to see the level of the, uh, the case that they have, but then the level of care that at least the ones that I've worked with that I saw out here in LA County, the level of care that they give to each of these cases, it, it kind of um, negates what people say about that field. Now, of course, there aren't many disabled lawyers.
0: Can't hmm. to is- why, after what we just talked about in the beginning, that, you know, you can't even get an internship if you're in a wheelchair.
1: Well, for a private firm, um, the public defenders are like, yeah, let's go you know that was a that was fun um the interview process gave me a look at what their interview process for an actual job would be with them uh so that was something um yeah it's it's there's not a lot of disabled representation in the field period and i had never seen an attorney in a wheelchair ever um, until maybe 2015 and I went to a conference. I went to the um, National Bar Association. They had one of their conferences out here in California. So I volunteered and I saw the the first ever legal professional in a wheelchair, at least for me. Wow. Um, another black woman. And I, I really want to say she was a judge and I can't remember where. But I was like, oh, my gosh, this gives me hope.
0: Hey, representation is everything.
1: (laughs) Like, oh, this gives me hope. And so I stuck to it. And I finally graduated. It took me almost five years to graduate, but I graduated. I did.
0: Um, (laughs) I mean, weird because like i don't like personally know you except this one call and i'm so proud of you like that's that's amazing achievement
1: (laughs) it's a lot of work you know like honestly to just do anything as a marginalized racially marginalized person it's a lot of work and then you add on to that um being Disabled, like those are my intersections, and I online I talk about intersections a lot. Um, mostly because it's me when people use the term intersections, and all they mean is being inclusive, and I'm like, that is not what that means, but whatever. And so, I'm a black woman, but then I'm also a disabled black woman, and those are that's different from just being a dis- white woman or a disabled Latinx woman, Latina woman, like it's different it hits you differently. Um so school was a chore. I had medical issues in school. I ended up in the hospital actually um with a blood clot.
0: And how did that work out with school? Were they able to accommodate you or yes,
1: yes they were. Um I was lucky that I I chose I chose my school um I went to school in Koreatown. I went to Southwestern law school and I remember I chose I wanted to go there as my first choice and then my backup choice was another LA LA school. I'm not gonna shout that one out. And I went to do my tour of the other school and it was a small campus just like mine um ended up being but it wasn't it didn't feel welcoming. Mm. Like it didn't feel welcoming at all. And then um I chose my school southwestern because I got there and the moment you got onto campus, the students they don't know who you are from a hole in the wall. And they were already like, Oh, hi, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like they would just it was warm. And then you go and you speak to administration and it was warm and mm-hmm. it was it was accepting. Um, you know, and I did my interview and um Found out, you know, whether or not I was going to be in. I was in, obviously, because I went to school and graduated. But um, I got the feeling, even from just the campus visit itself, that this was a school that was going to be very inclusive and in accepting me. And come to find out, that was the whole point of that school being founded. Yeah. um That school, yeah, that school was founded in the early 1900s. I don't remember the exact year. Um, But it was founded specifically like me. It was founded specifically so minorities and parents or people who had work schedules could go to school. Um, Because at that time, other laws weren't taking women. They weren't taking black people. They weren't taking you if you didn't have the money to pay for it and go to school full time and not work. And so I think that is something that attracted me. And they have a program, it was called the PLEASE program. And it was for parents who had other obligations, like maybe they had to provide elder care to their own parents, or they had child care. And they let me into the PLEASE program for, for reasons. Like, okay, you have doctor appointments, blah, blah, blah. you know what, go to the PLEASE program, it's a half day program. Wow. You'll be here five days a week, unlike the other students, you'll be here five days a week, but you'll be out of school by 1230. And you can go handle whatever you need to handle. So when I ended up with my blood clot in uh, November 2015, exact date, November 21st, um, I emailed them and it was like the, almost towards the end of the semester and I was bugging out. I was freaking out. I had finals coming up and I called them. and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on.
0: And they said, okay, let's handle it. Not too many questions asked. I'm so jealous. When I was in high school, I, um, I had this disorder and I had to have two surgeries. And my, in high school, the teachers would not give me my assignments. See, I didn't.
1: I wasn't even aware of um, accommodations and things like that outside um, before law school. Excuse me, just wasn't in elementary school. I guess I had accommodations because I had a paraprofessional follow me around everywhere, um, uh, and I think that was the only way they were going to me be in general classes because in ele- when I when. It-
0: oh! <laughs> i Uh-oh. heard that little cry
1: <laughs> sorry okay no i moved his head because I, I i didn't like the way that it was looking like i don't know you look like you're trying to breathe in something and i don't like that keep you alive little one but um yeah i and i don't know if i even really thought about it until i got much older that disability has really been like a fight since the moment that I even started school. And I remember my grandmother, my guardian, telling me how they had to fight for me to be in general ed classes because the school district wanted to put me in special ed class. But not just special ed, not just special ed, but self-contained special ed. And in case anyone is not familiar with what that means, it basically means that you're in the segregated classroom all day, and you don't leave that classroom. You come in in the morning, and you have your class there. You eat your lunch there. You don't go outside during recess. You just have a break inside your classroom. Maybe you'll take a, you know, watch something on the TV monitor that they bring in, and you'll finish off the day in that classroom. Think of an elementary school. You know how an elementary school just mm-hmm. stay in the classroom?
0: hmm
1: And you left for gym. And you left for lunch? Well, they didn't even do that much. They just stayed in that classroom, segregated all day. And so my grandmother was just like, no, she's being in a self-contained classroom just because she's disabled. Um, I was walking on prosthetics at the time. Like, this is a girl talking about me who was reading before she even started kindergarten and who, you know, can do this and who can do that. And no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to hinder her. And so people have been fighting for me my entire life. And you know, I may not have noticed it right away. But it was a good foundation into what I was talking about for myself later on. You
0: know, because you've gotten very uh-huh. at least from what I've been able to see, gotten very good at fighting for yourself. I'm always so impressed when I see you on Twitter and how you how handle people. and how you handle situations. Like you've gotten I, I take a lot of um notes from you on how to handle Taking care of yourself. (laughs) Uh It's it's work, and it's
1: always a it's a forever learning experience. Um, Who knows? Next month it might be something else that I'll have to advocate for, but I'll have to learn how to advocate for it.
0: And I said I was too sick to do a split and um, do two parts. I lied, Um, not that I'm too sick. I just realized that we had some huge technical difficulties, um, massive internet problems. So I am gonna split this interview into two. Um, Please come back. I think the part two will be in two weeks um, because Eva usually does one in the middle. And thank you so much for listening through. Um, This is one of my favorite interviews and I cannot thank Tiara enough for her time, especially after just having a baby. Um, When we come back, we're gonna be talking about, I believe that we start in with tattoos and (laughs) the importance of being able to reclaim your own body. At least that's how I look at my tattoos. If you're hearing the snorts in the background, terribly sorry, my pug is hanging with me while I've been having massive POTS attack. So um, tune in soon for part two with Tiara. And by the way, please, please follow Tiara on Twitter. If you are feeling like your sphere in your world is a little, um, a little bit just an echo chamber, follow Tiara. She um, has amazing things to say on Twitter. Um, has really helped me see new new ways of thinking about things. Um, definitely broadened my viewpoints. And head over to Tiara's Patreon, as you have heard. Um, when you heard me being surprised about a lawyer um, having a paywall, the thing that upsets me the most about this is that if we don't have people who are in power, in places that can be good prosecutors, um, good defenders, that's a big issue, and if we have a paywall, which in the United States can be $100,000, 200000 up to $300,000 to get your law degree, that really cuts down on who can actually be a lawyer. So. I am amazed at everything that that Tiara is going to be able to do in this world. Um, So please, if you can support Tiara, head over to Tiara's Patreon. I have everything linked up in the show notes. So please head over to InvisibleNotBroken.com and right over um, at the very top, you can visit Tiara's website, Patreon, and you can just click and follow Tiara on Twitter. So thank you so much. Tune in um, to part two. And have a great week, everyone. Be kind, be gentle, be a badass. Be gentle with each other. This has been an especially crazy week um, for everyone. Be really gentle with each other this week.